Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Moms. This is uh, Dorothy Polarski, and I'd like to extend a big, big warm welcome to each of you signing on today. Um, can you say hello to us? Tell us where you're from in the chat box, please. You know, I always say if you're uh, Samantha from Slovakia, say hello, I'm Samantha from Slovakia, or Maria from Mississauga. Please say hello to us in the chat. Um, I miss physically not seeing the moms in my mom's group, so uh, please do say hello in the chat. Don't be shy. Um, I also wanted to extend a very, very warm welcome to um, uh, Father Joshua. It, it's uh, such an honor to have him here. Um, once a year, I'm given the privilege of uh, teaching at St. Augustine Seminary a conflict resolutions workshop. And that's how I came to meet uh, Father, I don't know whether I should be saying Father Joshua, Father Lobo, or Father Joshua Lobo. Um, so it's been incredible to, to, you know, have the opportunity to meet him. And uh, in the chat, I want to start saying hello, Laura Diaz from PEI. Hello, hello, hello. And uh, Emma from Brooklyn, hello. Adriana from St. Catherine of Siena, hello. Lucy from Mississauga, Catherine Lewis from Brampton, uh, Shaman D'Souza. Uh, thank you, Dorothy, for organizing this. <laughs> I, you got to thank the Holy Spirit because uh, there's a story that goes with it. I'll tell you a little bit later. Hello, Christine from Calgary. Uh, greetings, um, Candia from Hamilton. Anne from Burlington. Oh my goodness, it's so uh, Marie Healy, an old viewer here. Well, you can't be any older than me. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Maria D'Souza from St. Francis Xavier Parish. Um, okay, oh my goodness. And Susanna from Timmins, Alice from Mississauga. Um, so a big, big, big warm welcome to, oh, and Cynthia from, from St. Barnabas Parish. So I, I want to extend a very, very, very warm welcome. And some of you are here maybe for the 52nd time, and others maybe are here for the first time. And so why are we here? Well, um, some of you may have heard of Catholic Moms Group. If you Google three words, catholicmomsgroup.com, um, I've had the great honor of running a ministry across the Archdiocese of Toronto, a mom's ministry, and we're on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. And we do so primarily by helping parishes start Catholic moms groups. I'm going to share with you just before, uh, I know you didn't sign on to hear me, I know you're probably wondering, um, but I, I want to just share with you our ministry video. Uh, we're praying that perhaps one of you will be inspired to start a Catholic moms group. Uh, hello, Therese from rural Missouri. Whoa, hello. Hello, Rosetta from Etobicoke and Eddie from Illinois. So a big, big warm welcome. So I'm, I'm going to take just a few minutes to share. It's a very short ministry video. We're constantly praying that one of you will be inspired to start a Catholic moms group. And um, I'm gonna ask you to just, oh, where did she go? There she goes. So if you look up on the internet, you key in three words, Catholic Moms Group. And so we help parishes start three, one of three types of mothers groups, uh, groups for moms only, groups for moms and tots, and also virtual uh, meetups. And we believe there's been just basically an assault on motherhood and that moms don't even have the time to be a mom because they're so pressured. And so I'm going to share just quickly this very short video. And immediately after that, um, Father uh, Joshua will begin his talk. Mothers, by our very nature, we are nurturing, loving caregivers. 
We are social beings made for friendship and community. We are also spiritual by nature, made by a loving God to know him and love him and to pass this love of our Catholic faith on to our children. But right now, many mothers feel overextended, distracted, and exhausted. Though as Catholics, we have the community of our church, many mothers attending Mass could not name the mom sitting next to them in the pew they share. Community and support among Catholic mothers is desperately needed in this hectic and chaotic culture. Your parish needs you to bring these moms together. Hi, my name is Dorothy Polarski. I'm the founder of Catholic Moms Group. We at Catholic Moms Group are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. We exist to bring together like-minded, faith-filled mothers who crave community and are focused on spiritual growth, Catholic teaching, and fellowship. Can you imagine a thriving, engaged mothers group at your parish? A group of moms in love with their Catholic faith, ready to serve other mothers no matter what stage of motherhood they're at. Can you imagine what a difference that would make at your parish? Starting a mother's group, it's not rocket science, but working with a team who's done it before and who's done it dozens and dozens of times sure does help. The Catholic Moms Group membership site is an online community that offers training, resources, and dozens of tools for parishes to help them start a mother's group quickly and efficiently. We're here to provide you with a clear path to launching a Catholic Moms Group at your parish. All of our materials are 100% Catholic. We have clearly laid out meetup plans for both moms groups and toddler groups. We are obedient to the magisterium of the Catholic Church. We have created dozens of tools that are going to save you time and energy. And besides that, we love our Blessed Mother. We constantly turn to her for her intercession. You can make a huge impact in your parish, so join us. We are revolutionizing the way parishes start mothers groups by providing parishes with a Catholic mothers group starter kit and by nourishing and training a community of Catholic mothers group leaders across the world. It's time to start a mothers group at your parish. Join us today. excited about our ministry, but we're even more excited to have uh, Father Joshua Lobel with us today. I'd like to formally introduce him and formally welcome him. Uh, Father Joshua Lobel was born in Bombay, India, and moved to Canada at the age of four. He grew up in Scarborough and attended the University of Toronto, where he received a degree in business administration, Father Lobo discerned a call to the priesthood at St. Augustine Seminary and was ordained a priest in June of 2020. So I always say fresh baked out of the, <laughs> fresh baked out of the seminary. Um, he has been the associate pastor of St. Michael's Cathedral Basilica in downtown Toronto. And uh, yeah, my heart kind of got excited and was broken at the same time when I found out that he's he's leaving for further studies in, in Rome. I keep on thinking, who knows, maybe we'll be blessed enough that he'll host another Midday Moms with us from Rome and that it could get really exciting. Um, anyway, a big, big warm welcome, uh, Father Josh. Um, I know that you're here to give a reflection on the solemnity, about the solemnity of the um, Sacred Heart. Uh, so welcome, welcome. Thank you very much, Dorothy. Thank you very much 
for having me. It's a joy. It's a pleasure to be here with you all. Yeah, so Father, can you tell us, um, I guess, can you tell us a little bit about the solemnity of the uh, Sacred Heart? You know, what is it? How did it begin? Uh, how can maybe mothers um, benefit out of, you know, this devotion? Um, yeah, we, you know, I've got a few questions up my sleeve, but let's begin at the beginning, you know, so tell us about the solemnity and uh, yes, share with us, please. Sure. So the solemnity of the Sacred Heart, the devotion began actually with um, St. Margaret Mary Alico, the, the revelations that uh, Jesus um, um, expressed to her that he desired this devotion to be spread uh, amongst the church and many of the popes um, since those um, visions and revelations to St. Margaret Mary have said that this is one of the most important, um, if not the most important devotion in the church, um, because they, a lot of them say it encompasses everything that we um, believe in our faith. And the, the devotion to the Sacred Heart is mostly about um, the love of God, the love of God for humanity. And as St. Paul tells us, you know, charity is the greatest, um, faith, hope, and love, and, and love is the greatest thing. So if this devotion is about emphasizing the, the love of, of God for humanity and vice versa, the love of man for God, then this is, you know, it is the greatest devotion. There's many ways of, I guess, expressing the devotion. Um, I was going to talk touch about that in my talk a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I would say the Feast of the Sacred Heart is, is tomorrow. Um, the Solemnity of the Sacred Heart is on um, June 11th. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I would say about that. Yeah, so um, now I, I know that uh, we're here to talk about the solemnity of the Sacred Heart, but, but can you also touch on a little bit about the, the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Like what's the, what's the you know, often we, we, we talk about two hearts united as one and, you know, the, but what, what's the, the sort of the distinguishing, you know, one is obviously the heart of Jesus and the other is the heart of our Blessed Mother. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? Sure. So uh, like a lot of things in Catholic, I guess, theology, it's a, it's a lot of a both and. You know, like, is Mary a virgin or mother? No, she's both virgin and mother. Is Christ um, God or man? He's both God and man. So in the, same, in the same vein, when we talk about the Immaculate Heart and the Sacred Heart, they're very similar. In one sense, um, like you said, two hearts that are united. Um, the flesh that our Lord took on is Mary's flesh. You know, she was his mother. So in that sense, there's an incredible um, bond between the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart. It's the same flesh the flesh of Our Lady. Um, and if you look at the Immaculate Heart, it is very similar in, in its depiction to the Sacred Heart. It is also pierced uh, with a sword as the, the prophecy of Simeon that said that Our Lady's heart would be pierced. And it also has fire um, surrounding it, which represents you know, that, that ardent kind of burning love for humanity, for God. Um, it has roses surrounding it, which is a little bit of a distinction. So that's kind of one of the beautiful things I would, um, about being a Catholic, about hopefully one day we are all saints, that unity amongst us, the unity between the sacred heart and the immaculate heart does not mean uniformity, that they're, they're very similar, but they're distinct. You know, that's what happens when we follow God and we, we um, discover our vocations and we grow in holiness. We're very similar in some sense. We all have similar devotions to the Blessed Sacrament or the Rosary, for example, but we're all unique. And that's the beauty of, of these devotions that and the hearts are united, but they're distinct. So if at the end of our lives, we, our hearts are also there's an image depicting it there'll be uh, slightly slight differences with similarities the the key difference i would say between the the heart of jesus and the heart of mary's mary's heart is uh, the heart of the mother and that's something distinct um while not kind of while not different in a sense but there's a certain kind of um emphasis there like a tenderness to her, her to her love for her children which is a little bit different than the way the Lord loves us, perhaps, you know? So that's what I would say. It's the heart of a mother. Yeah. And, and so before also you, you begin your talk, I, I was wondering if I could just, you know, because we all are here, most of us are our mothers. Could you tell us maybe a little bit about your own mom and how she affected 
um, you know, your vocation and how she affected your life and, and maybe a word or two of an encouragement um, to, to, you know, the role of a mom? Oh, my mother is like uh, wonderful. She's like, um, I guess my first love in one sense, like I have a real deep bond with my mom. Like the, the, the thing that's coming to my mind to share is there was a time in my life earlier my younger life where I didn't believe that God could love me you know I didn't I don't know I just there was just some block there I didn't think God could love me but the only glimmer of hope I had was the way in which I saw my mother love me I can I noticed it you know as kids you are kind of a little bit dense maybe you're not really focusing too much but I even then despite that some grace was given to notice you know how much she you know gives her life uh for me and I, I'll share this kind of embarrassing story now, but I call it like the, the magical lunchbox. Like every day I would wake up, <laughs> this is in university when I would have different hours because I have classes at night and stuff. Every day I woke up and there was like a beautiful like meal prepared and sitting on my desk. And it, that was my mother, you know, making, <laughs> making a, and not like a haphazard. It was a beautiful meal every day, just there ready for me. Um, so anyway, the glimmer of hope I had when I didn't believe that God loved me was that look at the way my mom loves me. And I think if she can, in all her imperfections and whatever could love me like this, then a perfect God who I did believe existed at the time, then how much more must he love me too? So she was like a wonderful and is to this day, a wonderful instrument of God's love for me. And um, I know my mother would take a bullet from me and, and worse. I know that. And uh, she has this kind of fierce love, for me, she always tells me as a kid, like nobody was, when I was young, I was a premature baby, so kind of tiny, that nobody was allowed to touch me or go near me. She protected me like a, like, I don't know, like a mother lion or something. She, nobody was allowed close to me. Like that kind of, uh, that's the kind of relationship I have, I have with my mom. And, you know, she was strict at times, you know, uh, but she was also tender and uh, she listened to me when I needed to be listened to and she guided me when I needed to be, but yeah, she gave her life for me, like, and I don't mean in, like, one act of great heroic kind of love, but in the daily, the daily acts of, of love that uh, nobody notices, that I didn't even notice, I was so, in, un, um, like, there was ingratitude in my heart, but, uh, yeah, she, she loved me, and she made me believe that God could love me, too. That's so beautiful, you're gonna, you're gonna have me in tears pretty soon, you know, um, I've got a lot more questions, but I'm kind of nervous. If I keep on going with my questions, we might not get to your talk. So I'm, I'm going to, <laughs> no, um, and, and I won't like the, it, it would be interesting to, to, to talk about what are some of the things that your mom did to foster this, this beautiful, uh, love, like, yes, cooking the meals. And I'm, I'm not going to ask you to answer that right now, but, um, I, I do think that moms have kind of, uh, you know, we're so busy in this day and age and, and, and sometimes we're so busy that, you know, I always say, you know, you know, you're too busy when you don't have time to dispense those acts of love. Right. So, but that's, that's a conversation for, for another time. Um, so I'd like to invite you to share your reflection on the Sacred Heart. And then if we have time, I might sneak in a couple of questions at the end. But uh, yes, yeah, so yes, yeah, so please share your reflection. Sure. If I may, actually, would I, would I be able to touch upon that question about the, the mother's sure. love? Sure, yeah, yeah. Something came to my mind to share is that um, in the Gospels, Jesus, you know, that famous kind of terrifying Gospel of Matthew when he separates the sheep and the goats, and he says, you know, whatever you did to the least of my brothers and sisters, you did to me. You know, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was sick, you took care of me. When I was imprisoned, you visited me. Sometimes we have a temptation to think of that as our kind of service to others in the world, which is true, absolutely. But, you know, I would say to the mothers there, you're doing that already. You're doing what Christ has, has commanded us to do when you do it for your family, the least of when your child came into the world, they were the least in the world. They're the tiny children, right? And Jesus says, if you accept one of these little ones, you accept me. And you not just me, but the one who sent me. So when you do it for your family, 
you are you are absolutely it absolutely counts towards heaven i would say like because it's making it's changing your heart you know there you are not thinking so much about yourself anymore but about your your children and it counts sometimes you think oh it doesn't count because it's just for my family but no god in his brilliance has built into our vocations um the means by which we are made holy so in serving your family in these small ways giving them food drink clothing them you know visiting them when they're imprisoned all the various ways kids can be imprisoned these days or taking care of them when they're sick it counts and when you do it for your family you do it for Jesus and he, he sees it, he's pleased with it. And it's the, it's the way that we are made holy. And I would also say like the temptation in the world, you know, to, to seek kind of worldly glory. Um, I would say there's nothing like God entrusts to us. Uh, he has entrusted to us the world. You know, we're the, the, the Lords of creation in a sense, the stewards of creation. Um, that's why Adam was given dominion. Adam and Eve were given dominion over the world. And that word, dominion dominus is lord you know they're the lords of creation but the greatest thing that god entrusts each of us with his people he's entrusted me a uh, parish um st michael's cathedral basilica and all the people and he is entrusted to mothers um children father and their father's children that is the greatest thing that god can entrust us with because all these other things are passing but your children have immortal souls that will live forever they are greater than anything possibly we can accomplish. Like the raising of these children in the faith and uh, taking care of them is greater than anything else we can accomplish in the world because they have an eternal destiny to be with God forever. Uh, and Jesus Christ has died for these children, for, for you. So the loving and nurturing and raising of them is, is a great thing in the eyes of God. And Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you must be a servant. You must be the servant of all. And mothers are, I don't mean this in a derogatory, maybe to us it sounds derogatory, but a servant in Christ's eyes is the greatest thing. And the mothers serve, period. You know, that's what they, that's what they, that's what they do with their, with their days. So yeah, just to encourage you, as mothers, huge role and huge task has been entrusted to you. So, but God is there with you to, to be with you as you live out that vocation. And I would ask, Father, if you could um, just, you know, when you're in Rome, <laughs> uh, just to keep our ministry uh, in your prayers, because, you know, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to sort of raise, not that, not that we can raise the dignity of motherhood. Motherhood is already raised. The dignity of motherhood is already raised. But... Um, it's almost as if, you know, the vocational call of being a mom has been obliterated, you know, by our culture. Um, and it's, it's, you know, the situation is very complex and it's not easy, you know, to, to talk about. And, uh, you know, I get accused of all sorts of things, but I, I often say that, you know, you want to live your vocation um, as a mother with your, you know, like memento mori, like think about the moment of your death, right? That when you look back on the type of mother that you were, will you pass away with a clear conscience, right? Because um, I always say that, you know, we were given these precious gifts. And uh, I know that we don't like to talk about the duties associated with motherhood, because duties almost, you know, you know, but I would say we have duties as a citizen, we have duties as an employee, but yet we don't want to talk about, you know, maybe these things that, you know, and that God maybe expects of us. And um, I don't know that, you know, sometimes people say that, you know, motherhood is a sacrifice. And I, I don't know, I guess because I got married so late and I had my, I didn't see it as a sacrifice. I just thought like, wow. This is not a sacrifice, you know, hopping on a plane and delivering corporate seminars. That was a sacrifice to me, you know, co-creating humanity. It just felt was like so exhilarating. Um, so I, I would ask you that you just keep our ministry in your prayers. So thank you. Um, so, yeah, so let's just begin wherever you want to begin. And let's uh, hear a little bit about the solemnity. Sure. So uh, um, today I want to talk about um, the, the sacred heart of Jesus and um, that beautiful letter, the pastoral letter written by Cardinal Collins, you know, heart speaks to heart. 
I plan to read it um, in chunks, just little by little every day, but I started and I finished in one, in one sitting. So that's the first kind of resource I would share with everyone. Cardinal, Card Cardinal Collins is pastoral letter on the sacred heart, which is available on the Archdiocesan website. Um, it's a fantastic, uh, it's a beautiful letter, very profound, but very simple and practical as, as well. And one more resource I will share with you is St. Augustine Seminary is currently um, doing a novena, nine days of talks leading up to the Feast of the Sacred Heart, which is tomorrow, the Solemnity of the Sacred Heart. So that's also on the seminary's website, St. Augustine Seminary, sorry, on their YouTube page. So uh, I guess this is day eight right now. So, but there have been videos up until every day, up until now. So I highly recommend those. Those are fantastic from the professors at, at the seminary. But in Cardinal Collins's letter, in his pastoral letter, he had, there was one thing that struck my mind, which I want to begin with. It. He said that, you know, um, we are sensible people. <laughs> he means like, yeah, we have a, a good, good heads about us, but he means like literally we engage the world with our senses, with our eyes, with our smell, with our taste, touch. And so this is why um, part of the reason he says that the Sacred Heart um, is a beautiful devotion because there's an, there's an image of it um, that we can see. That, that's why I just want to break down the image of, of the Sacred Heart. Um, this is actually my prayer card, which I made last year as a priest. I didn't, very providential. There is a sacred heart of Jesus. So um, I, don't, I actually would pick this prayer card because I want people to have a devotion to the face of Christ, you know, just to see the, the, his humanity there. But uh, at the same time, I thought, you know, the sacred heart is there as well. And in the letter, Cardinal Collins says that, you know, just by looking at that image of the sacred heart, and meditating on each of the aspects of it, that is like thinking about it, kind of chewing on each aspect of it, um, we come to discover kind of what authentic love is. Because perhaps the word love has been, I guess, misused or, misused or skewed in our world. But looking at the Sacred Heart gives us the authentic um, vision of love. And so um, it reveals to us the truth about God's love for us and um, our response and I want to begin there with, with God's love for us. As St. John says, it's, it's, not that, it's not that God loved, it's not that we loved God, but that God loved us first. So I always like to point people back to that. First, we have to experience God's love before we can go out into the world and, and give it to others. And that, that's the beautiful connection in the sacred heart. Okay, here's what I mean. The sacred heart is a human heart because Christ is like, us in all things, um, St. Paul tells us. He's like us in all things except sin. So the sacred heart is a human heart. It is like our heart in all things, but it also contains within it um, divine love, God's divine love. So as it's a beautiful meeting between the humanity and divinity of Christ. And where does that meet? It's in his sacred heart. It's a human heart filled with divine love for us, the infinite love of God. And, uh, and that's the first real point I want to make, you know, a human and human heart with divine love. And what can we tell from about the love of God um, based on the image of the sacred heart? Um, well, first I will say that, you know, God wants his heart to be known by us. It's not just a mystery that he wants us to be able to go into that mystery. For one, for one, the heart is pierced. It's open. Therefore, he, it's a sign to us um, because it's a sensible heart, like I said. We can see it. It's a sign to us that he wants his heart to be known, deeply known by each and every one of us. It's open. He said, Thomas, you know, um, put your hand in my side. You know, do, do not doubt, but believe. So we're, we're called to enter into that, enter into a relationship with, with God's heart, with the sacred heart. Um, I want to just break down the various, the, the various elements of the sacred heart so that we can understand the truth of God's love and, and not the many lies that we may have come to believe. Just as I shared earlier, there are lots of lies that I believe about God's love for me, which kind of were broken down because of how I saw my mother love me. But, but when we look at the sacred heart, we see the truth about God's love um, for us. For one, um, the love of Jesus, there's the cross there. And if you see the image of the sacred heart, there's a cross. And I kind of look at the cross as yeah, definitely absolutely suffering, but I see it as um, Jesus's submission to the will of God. 
that was God's will, the, God the Father's will for his son to suffer and die. And therefore, in our love, when we love authentically, it is not just uh, what we desire to do with our lives, but a submission of, of God's love for us. God submitted to the plan of the Father for our sake. And when we think about that, when we think about what he went through for our sake, when he willingly gave his life for us, that inspires us in return to give our lives to him as well. So the cross on the sacred heart represents, you know, submission to, to God's will. As Jesus says, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but only those who do the will of my father. So God's will is, is everything in our, in our lives. That's what we're called to do every day in the small ways. Secondly, there is a, a crown of thorns that surrounds the heart. You know, there's, as someone I know once said to me, you know, somebody's always piercing the heart of God. You know, there's, God's heart is, is vulnerable. As Jesus, in the image here, he's holding his heart. You know, you hear like people who wear their hearts on their sleeves, you know, they're very vulnerable. When Jesus is holding his heart out open to us, his love is very, very, very vulnerable. If you think about what he went through, in his passion, you know, that was him giving himself completely. Whatever you want to do to me, do. You know, I'm going to love you no matter what. But his love for us is a very vulnerable, vulnerable love. One of the ways we know this is that God didn't need our love. You know, he doesn't need our love in that sense. Okay. Let me make a distinction because God is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a communion of love. And they love each other perfectly uh, the father gives everything to the son the son gives everything to the father perfect love and then the holy spirit is that bond of unity between them but god chose to need our love god chose to be vulnerable when he became man and that's what the sacred heart represents vulnerability if you think of your own hearts especially as mothers um the love of one of your children for example doesn't substitute for the love of another child you know, if there's something, there's like a tension in one of your relationships with your children, all the love from the one doesn't kind of satiate that desire to be in love with a, a relationship of love with your other children. Am I right in that regard, Dorothy? Yes, no, absolutely. In the same way, uh, when Jesus on the cross, you know, is hanging on the cross and he says, I thirst, I thirst. Mother Teresa received that kind of um, inner kind of locution and idea that he's not thirsting for water you know this is jesus who spent 40 days in the desert without water so it's not just water that he's thirsting for although i'm sure he was you know parched for thirst but he's thirsting for you know, your love as when he became vulnerable to receive it um, when he took on a human heart so the heart of jesus is pierced with suffering uh, pierced uh, out of love for you and it is a, a vulnerable heart it is a heart because i said it's pierced it's open for the treasures of love within it to be flowing outwards. It's a pierced heart. As we hear in the gospel, the heart of Jesus was pierced by the soldier on the lance, with, with the lance, and outflowed blood and water, which actually is a representation of the sacraments, you know, the waters of baptism, the blood of, of the Eucharist, of the precious blood of Christ, which we celebrate at Mass. So it is a font, it is the font of all grace. If there's any grace that you desire to receive in your life, you can ask of it from God's own heart. That's the source of all grace, his heart, which is open and pierced so that it may flow out to us. It's not a, it's not a, a heart that ever beats for itself. It's a heart that always has never beat for itself. It's a heart that always beats for others. This is what we're called to emulate in our lives, never to think about ourselves, but only to think of, of others. And lastly, I would say there's like a, there's always fire, um, fire surrounding the heart, the sacred heart. And um, that's the fire of God's love. You know, Jesus said, I came to set the world, not physical fire, but with the fire of divine love. That is love for God and love for our neighbor, which we are sorely lacking in one sense, you know. And so the, the sacred heart of Jesus has is on fire, a passionate kind of love for us, not a lukewarm or tepid kind of love, but he burns with love for us. And um, 
yeah, that, that's, that's great news for us. It's, it's a passionate love for us that is constantly pursuing us. And all these things we see just in the, the image there of the sacred heart, the cross, the thorns, the pierced, the pierced side of the heart, and, and the fire. So you can, we can spend hours and hours and hours meditating on the sacred heart and taking an image such as this one. And I like personally praying with images. I'm just closing my eyes and imagining the heart. Sometimes I just like to sit there and imagine it beating. You know, it's alive. God is alive, you know, lest we forget that he is living. So his heart is beating. And something in Cardinal Collins's letter struck my attention. He said there's a warmth to the sacred heart. And uh, sometimes I like to use experiences I've had in other other venues or areas of my life and apply it to my prayer. So I've, I know the experience of sitting in front of a campfire and the warmth that that feels. Some of my meditations would be just me sitting in front of the sacred heart and trying to imagine that warmth that is, you know, and then I say, you know, melt that, you know, that those icy parts, icy parts of my heart, you know, just that's, that can be great prayer. And uh, just sitting in front of the image of the sacred heart, imagining its warmth that is emanating towards you, the love that God is, is um, ha that has for you. And like I said, it's not that we love God, but that he loved us first. And so when we spend time praying, when we spend time meditating on the sacred heart, God pours his love into us. And then we go out and pour and give that love to others. Otherwise, we're giving of ourselves. And people don't need more of us in one sense. <laughs> yeah. only, only bad things come when I give of myself in one sense. They need God's love. Um, that's what they deserve in one sense. So when we open our hearts to receive God's love in prayer, and he pours it freely, then he gives us the strength and the love with which to love others. This is very important news for you as mothers. Um, this is how you love your family and your children, not with your own love, but with God's very own divine love. When you spend your time in prayer and you ask with just hands open, you know, saying, Lord, I abandon myself completely to you in this time of prayer. Fill me with your love. Give me the grace to go out and love others just as you love me. So first we experience God's love for us. And then we go out and, and share that love with, with others. And this is, the, the, I guess, the secret of the, the sacred heart is God desires to transform our hearts. As Cardinal Collins' letter says, you know, heart speaks to heart. Heart speaks to heart. As those in, that was the, um, pay, the motto of Cardinal Newman. Cor ad cor locutor in Latin, which means heart speaks to heart. And um, not only that, um, Jesus' heart, he transforms our heart with his love as we begin to experience his love and, and his mercy for us. So I also want to talk a little bit about um, the sacred heart and divine mercy, because there's a great link between these two devotions, you know, and as St. Faustina says, oh, blood and water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fountain of mercy for us, I trust in you, you know? One thing that really struck me, there's a book that I read called Consoling the Heart of Jesus by Father Michael Gately. I don't know if you've heard of it, Dorothy, or if anyone's heard of it. It's a fantastic book. And what Father Gately says in this book is that what hurts the heart of Jesus, the human heart, the divine heart of Jesus, what hurts his heart is not so much our sins. Sometimes we think it's our sins that ache, offend God and hurt his heart. There's truth to that, but he says what hurts the heart of Jesus is our distrust in his mercy. That's what really hurts him, he says, because here he has, here he is his heart holding out for us, pierced, suffering, passionate love for us. He's shown us in a thousand different ways how good he is, but we still don't trust him. It's kind of like if you have a friend and you're always a little wary of them, you're not sure how, if they're really good, that would hurt them. You know, I, I'm trying to show you I'm, I'm good. I love you, but you just don't trust me. That's what Father Gately says hurts Jesus' heart. And so he says the remedy is very easy. If we want to console the heart of Jesus, we simply um, look with great confidence and trust in his mercy. And that's what consoles his heart. When we go back to confession and um, receive his mercy, that consoles his heart. When we say in the midst of our weaknesses and failures, we say, you know, you know, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you love me in the midst of this. Right now you love me, even though I'm a failure. 
you know, when we pray, even though we may be in a state of serious sin, when we still say we trust God's mercy and his love, that consoles his heart. And so that's what I want, really want to share is that the heart of Jesus is a merciful heart. And uh, I remember him saying to St. Faustino, you know, whenever you bring your sins to me, whatever the, however grave you think they are, however uh, bad you think the sins are, they're all consumed in the fire of my love for you when you bring them to me. So it's a, it's a simple, simple fix, quick fix. When we return to the sacrament of confession, um, our sins are consumed in the fire of God's love for us, and we console his heart. Um, there was a time when Jesus said, you know, there's so much mercy that I have that is being, I don't want to say, I don't remember if he said wasted, but nobody wants to receive it. So St. Faustina said, you know, give it to me, I'll take it. <laughs> so he wants to like lavish his love and his mercy upon us. So don't be afraid ever to, to approach um, his mercy ever. You know, that's what it's there for. It's, he wants us to take it, to use it. Um, there's a quote from Jesus. Even if the sins of the soul are as dark as night, when the sinner turns to my mercy, he gives me the greatest praise. And it is the glory of my passion, he says to us. So there is a great connection between the sacred heart and divine mercy. Um, we can always console the heart of Jesus, console his thirst for us, his individual thirst for us, when we return to him with great confidence and trust in his mercy. And finally, I would say, you know, there's a great connection between the sacred heart and the Eucharist. I would say that everything leads to the Eucharist. You know, as John Paul II said, it's the source and summit of our church. And so even de devotion to the Sacred Heart points us to the Eucharist. Because when we talk about the Sacred Heart of Jesus, we're talking about Jesus uh, as a person himself. Because oftentimes when we describe someone's heart, it's used to describe the person in general uh, as a whole. If we describe, for example, um, Braveheart, that movie Braveheart, talking, we're talking about that person, William Wallace, who's you know, a brave, brave person. We're talking about the person themselves. So the sacred heart of Jesus, we're talking also about Jesus himself, who he is, um, patient, merciful, loving, kind. But um, also the fact that Jesus is present in the Eucharist. It is him. It is really him. And so that's why part of the devotion to the sacred heart actually is receiving communion uh, every first Friday of the month. That is part of the practical living out of the devotion. So just to be a, just a summary of a practical living out of this devotion to the Sacred Heart is, um, as St. Margaret Mary Alacoque did, is on Thursday nights for one hour, she would meditate on the Passion of Christ. She would spend a holy hour with Jesus on Thursdays, every Thursday, uh, at his request to accompany him as his heart was in anguish during his Passion, during that, um, the, that, those hours in Gethsemane. Um, it's also a, to celebrate the Feast of the Sacred Heart, which tomorrow we celebrate and our, our churches are open to, on that feast day, very providential, God is working there, to, to celebrate the Feast of the Sacred Heart, to receive communion on every first Friday of the month. That's practically a way of living out that devotion. In addition to, as I mentioned, praying to the Sacred Heart, allowing the Sacred Heart to pour um, his love and mercy into your own hearts. So these are just some of the ways we can practically live out that devotion, as well as the litany of the Sacred Heart, which I think as a way of um, ending my little talk here, I will perhaps pray the litany of the Sacred Heart, if that's okay. Sure. So it's, um, if you can respond, Dorothy, it's just, um, Lord, um, have mercy on us. Okay. So Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Christ hear us. Christ Lord, graciously hear us. And now after this, the response is have mercy on us. Okay. God the Father of heaven. Have mercy on us. God the Son, Redeemer of the world. Have mercy on us. God the Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, Son of the Eternal Father. Have mercy on us. 
heart of Jesus, formed by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, substantially united to the Word of God. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, of infinite majesty. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, sacred temple of God. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, tabernacle of the Most High. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, house of God and gate of heaven. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, burning furnace of charity. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, abode of justice and love. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, full of goodness and love. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, abyss of all virtues. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, most worthy of all praise. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, king and center of all hearts. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, in whom are all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, in whom dwells the fullness of divinity. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, in whom the Father was well pleased. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, of whose fullness we have all received. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, desire of the everlasting hills. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, patient and most merciful. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, enriching all who invoke thee. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, fountain of life and holiness. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, propitiation for our sins. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, loaded down with opprobrium. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, bruised for our offenses. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, obedient to death. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, pierced with a lance. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, source of all consolation. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, our life and resurrection. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, our peace and our reconciliation. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, victim for our sins. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, salvation of those who trust in thee. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, hope of those who die in thee. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, delight of all the saints. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us, O Lord. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts like to thine. Amen. Um, so I just, a couple of people have made some comments and asked some questions. Do you have a few minutes? Do you still have a few minutes or? Sure. Uh, so a comment here is a mother's love is unexplainable. Like your mother, Father Joshua, my mother was devoted to all four of us children. As the youngest, I used to see my mother in prayer first thing in the morning and the last thing at night. I often say my faith was formed by watching my mother in prayer. May her soul rest in peace. Um, but so beautiful, Christine. Uh, I often mention that my own uh, dad was a factory worker and he had to get up at crazy hours in the morning, but yet he always got on his knees and prayed at, you know, 5.30. And I was like, I'd look at him and I'm like, and it did affect me, you know, uh, profoundly. One mom, um, you're, not, uh, you're not alone there, um, Christine and Dorothy, because I remember hearing John Paul II after his mother's passing, he woke up at night and he would see his own father late at night on his knees, you know, weeping, obviously in grief and praying and beating his breast. And uh, that had a profound impact on the Pope, John Paul II. So, yeah, our parents in prayer have a huge impact on, on children. And uh, one thing I, I do encourage all moms, I always say, if there's only three things that you remember from these midday mom session, it's like, you know, pray, 
with your children, pray for your children, and teach your children to pray. I keep on, uh, you know, repeating that over and over again. Um, one mom is asking here, um, what can we do to bring the light of Christ to people or even our kids or husbands who are uh, lukewarm? That's one thing that is being asked. And then another mom is saying, you know, what do you do when that kind of love is not being reciprocated? And I, I, I think that moms often experience that, right? Where they're pouring themselves out and pouring themselves out and often it's not recognized or appreciated or reciprocated. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? First, I'm, I'm guilty of, you know, not, not as to my own mother, so many years of ingratitude, but, uh, you know, I pray for her. I offer mass for her now. So I think, you know, I'm slowly trying to make some reparation for that. But, uh, you know, I try to write in cards. Thank you for everything. But I would say, you know, the first question, how do we bring the light of Christ to lukewarm people? This is why that image of the warmth of the heart of Jesus touched me. I would say if we are faithful to our prayer life, faithful to the reception of the sacraments, um, faithful to serving others and being authentic Christians, uh, we don't have to really do anything. I, I promise you that there will just be a certain, like a je ne sais quoi about you a warmth to you that people that draws people in. Um, yeah. Like I always share this. So maybe people have heard this before, but um, because I'm of an Indian background, I have many friends who are Hindu, um, uh, the religion of Hindu. And I was just wondering, you know, how can I be a good example to them? So when I was on YouTube once I saw this um, Catholic priest converts from Hinduism. So I was like, huh, I wonder how, what, what it was that made him convert. And in the story, he's now a Catholic priest. He was Hindu. He said he sat next to somebody in university, a Catholic. And um, he looked around the room, like after maybe several weeks of class, looked around the room. He's like, everybody seems miserable except this guy. There's something about him. And uh, he's like, the, that friend never imposed his faith on him. He knew he was Catholic, but he never forced anything. But when he was, when he asked him questions, he answered with the truth and in charity, he answered, but there was a certain, like he, he would describe a warmth to him, a joy about him, a love that he had that other people didn't seem to have. Like, so if we are faithful to, to what Christ tells us, you know, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. You know, don't let your light um, hide under a bushel basket. We do that by, when we live out our faith authentically, um, you know, sacraments, prayer, service, um, dying to ourselves, you know, um, people notice and uh, are drawn not to you, but to Christ living in you. So the more you live, the more you decrease, the more Christ increases, as John the Baptist says, you know, that's attractive. And yeah. I don't know how it helps, but that's what I would say. Yeah, and I guess the, the other thing, just, you know, speaking from one mom to another is, um, you know, it's almost like you kind of got to learn the trick of, and not that it's a trick, but that, that you're receiving your love from Jesus that you're receiving your love from our blessed mother. So it doesn't become kind of like, you know, tit for tat, you know, I've done all of these things. And now I want you to do this, that and the other. All right. Because um, that's a real temptation. I think uh, a lot of moms have, a, you know, they're tempted, kind of like the, the, the martyr syndrome. And so then you're not really doing things out of pure love, you're doing them um, as, you know, almost like with an ulterior motive. I know, um, you know, X number of years ago, and I won't get into any details, but I think all of us have gone through trials in our marriages, right? And, and I remember, I'm like, the last thing I feel like doing is cooking dinner for, and I was like, I, I remembered my mother's words, you know, and she said, when you're making your dinner for your husband, when you're making your dinner for your kids, just imagine really that you're making it for Jesus. So no matter um, whatever trial you're going through in, in your marriage um, or with your kids, you, you might have to say to yourself, okay, this is tough, but Lord, I'm making this meal for you. <laughs> You know, um, and uh, 
I, I know for a lot of people too, uh, COVID has, has really been very difficult because we haven't had the sacraments and we haven't had the, the Eucharist and um, we've been very blessed in that we've had Eucharistic adoration at Maximilian Kolbe. And so whenever I kind of feel like I'm hitting rock bottom, I just like run over there <laughs> to fill up the old gas tank. Um, uh, Father, do you have any um, comments maybe for moms that are raising uh, boys because, or, you know, young men, because I, I, I do think that uh, women are a little bit more, you know, open, our daughters are a little bit open, but um, many, many moms complain to me that, you know, their husbands are scientists and they don't believe in God or that their sons have kind of placed themselves above, you know, the Catholic church, even though, you know, they've done everything that they could to, to pass down the faith. Do, do you have any just words of encouragement for moms who's... Um... Yeah, I'll say the words of uh, one other mother, Mother Teresa, who says, you know, God does not ask us to be successful, but only faithful. So I would say to mothers, do not underestimate the power of your prayers for your husband, uh, for your children. God hears your prayers. Every single one of your prayers, he hears. Um, it's us who sometimes hear God's word and let it fall to the ground. He never lets even one of our words drop to the ground. He hears all our prayers and he will answer them in, in his time, not in, in your time, in our time. Um, I think St. Monica is a great inspiration for us where she prayed constantly for her son, Augustine. She didn't give up. So you'd be a good witness to them of the faith, you know, and by living out your faith with charity, with, with joy, but pray. And um, yeah, that, and be faithful to that prayer. Don't worry about the success right now. And always invite, you can gently invite them. That's the part I was mentioning about vulnerability. You know, it is kind of vulnerable to invite people to things because they could reject you. Nobody likes the feeling of rejection, but Jesus knows that the pain of rejection, um, nobody has been rejected more than he has. Um, and his, during his passion, during his earthly life, and continuously since then. So he is always uh, being rejected. But I would say um, just those two things, like that can be a source of intimacy between you and Jesus when you share with him the, the pain of rejection that you felt. And you ask him, Lord, how did you, you know, give me your strength with which you, you know, uh, faced, how, how you faced rejection and how you, um, you know, how the Father's love was enough for you to, and now you give me your love, you know, fill that ache in my heart um, from this rejection with your own love. And that's a source of intimacy with you and God. You know, when, when you pour out your love for one, someone and it's not reciprocated, you know, you can, as, as Dorothy beautifully said, you know, we serve, we do things for Christ. Everything we do, we do for Christ, not for um, praise or for earthly kind of rewards, but we do it for Christ. And so, um, the pain and rejection you experience can be a source of intimacy in your own prayer with Christ. Share that with him and, uh, and wait to see what he does and accept what he receives, uh, accept what he gives to you, receive what he gives to you. And yeah, but be faithful to your prayers and, and God hears and he will act in his time. I, I, I wanted to mention, um, I've been watching uh, the, the YouTube videos from, you know, the St. Augustine Seminary and yesterday Father Skabinski uh, so beautifully uh, reflected on uh, Sister Faustina in that whenever she kind of felt like she was just, you know, spent that she would run to Jesus like a little child and sort of say, okay, I've spent. And, and that catapulted me to get my butt out and go to Eucharistic adoration because uh, lately I've just been feeling like, <laughs> you know, and I thought, when's the last time you went to Eucharistic adoration, Polarski? Come on, right? Because just the temptation to live in fear of, of Corona and everything. So, uh, I was really grateful for Father Skabinski's reflection because it got me um, it got me to Eucharistic Adoration this morning. Um, I, I just I want to sort of shout out because it's time for us to kind of wrap up, and I wanted to shout out to all the moms. You know, some of you I know are really 
active in the chat and some of you love it and then others are kind of sitting in the sidelines but I want to I want to just shout out to all of you and ask each and every one of you um, and I don't usually do this but sometimes God calls me to these things um, is can you please pray a rosary today for uh, Father Josh and for uh, his mom, like before midnight tonight, I'm going to ask each of you to pray a rosary for Father Josh, half of it for uh, him and then the other half for his mom. Uh, Father Josh is off to Rome. Uh, and I was just saying to him before we started that, you know, that as a, as a mom, my heart would be in like it would be thrilled that my son was going to Rome, but it would be also in, in agony at the same time, you know? Um, so I'm gonna ask each of you to uh, pray a rosary. Uh, and if you can't do a full rosary, you can do a decade. And if you can't do a decade, surely you can do three Hail Marys. Um, but uh, I'm committing to praying a full rosary. So I'm hoping that some of you can. Uh, let's not forget, um, you know, part of our ministry also involves mothering our priests, because in your own parish, you know, you might have a priest that is from Africa, or you might have a priest that is from Slovenia, and they need, they need our love, right? And so go easy on them when the churches open up and, you know, just send them some love, uh, send them some love. Um, so Father, can you maybe say a, a, a closing prayer for, for us? Sure, I'd love to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the gift of this day, for the vocations to which you have called us. We thank you, Lord. We ask you to constantly be working, Lord, to draw out love from our hearts, to turn our hearts of stone into, into hearts of flesh. And just as your sacred heart beats for others, Lord, help our hearts to beat for others, help us to imitate uh, the love in your sacred heart. We ask you, Lord, now to, to pour into our hearts your love, that we may love um, our families, our friends, everyone we encounter with your divine love. We ask for the intercession of the Holy Family, of Our Lady and St. Joseph, to teach us to love Jesus just as they loved him, and to give us the strength to carry our cross and follow him every day. We now pray together the, the prayer of Our Lady. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I'll give you a blessing, too. The Lord be with you. And also with you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you, Father. I, I don't want to let you go. <laughs> this is such a, a beautiful, beautiful time. And, uh, you know, I would uh, ask that once you get settled into Rome, that you don't forget about us. And that, uh, you know, we had Father Michael Pace share a reflection on uh, St. Don Bosco's mom all the way from Italy. And it was just such a real treat. No problem. Um, you have my email, so anytime, just send me an email. Yeah, yeah no, that would be, uh, you know, that would be, that would be fun, and it would be an honor. Um, so I just wanted to thank each and every one of you for um, joining us today. I beg you for your continued prayers, because if you think trying to revive the vocation of motherhood is easy, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, if, am I doing anything at all? Please know that every email that you send is, is just really, 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 uh, it means a lot, because sometimes... Uh, you know, if, just send us emails. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, if you have any comments, you know, to Father Josh, send me the email. I'll forward it to him. Uh, we need to be encouraged, right? We need your encouragement and we need your prayers. So I beg you, send us emails. I'll forward them on and send us prayers um, specifically for Father 
Josh and uh, his mom. And you could say a purple's dad too, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so thank you very much, Father Josh. Thank you for today. Oh boy, I got a raised hand here. No, I think we're done. Okay, so thank you everybody. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see all of you next week. And Father, please know that uh, you'll be in our prayers. That was a very inspiring and beautiful prayer experience. Thank you, Father, and thank you, Dorothy. I will definitely pray the rosary today for Father and his family. Um, so yeah, you're gonna get a whole bunch of prayers coming your way. Uh, please know that you're loved. Uh, thank you for devoting your life for the salvation of souls. Um, and uh, I'm not going to stop praying for you because our, our world uh, needs good priests and you're definitely one of them. So thank you. Thank you, thank Father. You. So um, some of you have heard me sing before. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh and pray a prayer. Seems we just started. And before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Father. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. And uh, give your mom a great big hug from all of us, okay? Give her a big hug from us. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do. God bless you. Okay. Thank you. Oh, there's a couple more. God bless. Love you. Okay. Yeah, I love you guys, too. Okay. Take care, everybody. And uh, tomorrow, remember our talk today. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.